Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast this week. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Before we get to it, I just want to remind you quickly about the other great shows that we have at Turn on the Jets Digital, including my podcast, Play Like a Jet. Do not miss The Road to Sam Darnold, the three-year process that led to the Jets drafting Sam Darnold out of USC in April. Albert Breer from SI and MMQB had the inside scoop. He's been on my other podcast, Play Like a Jet, every single Friday for the last few weeks. Part 6 dropped this past Friday. Part 7 will drop this coming Friday. If you missed any of the previous parts, go ahead into our archives on iTunes, TurnOnTheJets.com, or anywhere else that you can download podcasts. Episode number three, our best yet of What's Your Point, your weekly Jets debate show with Dalvin Asario and Pauly Brzez aired this week. It was terrific. I was a part of it, had so much fun. I hope you have half as much fun listening to it as we did recording it. Chris Nimbley from JetsInsider.com was our special guest judge. So if you haven't given that a listen yet, go ahead and do so. Joe Bluth's got a brand new film room up, reviewing the New York Jets defensive backs with former two-time Pro Bowl safety and 1988 Rookie of the Year, Eric McMillan. Don't miss that. Real quick. Quickly, also want to remind you that gambling is legal now. So you don't just want to play like the pros. You want to win like the pros. And the only people that can help you do that are the fine people over at Razorsport.com. They've got access to all the mathematical formulas and algorithms. Sign up today. Razorsport.com. That's R-A-Z-E-R sport.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at TurnOnTheJets underscore IG. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, TV. And with all of that said... Let's get to the flagship show. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week we are joined by the longest tenured member of Turn On The Jets, except for yours truly, new father, Dalbin Asario. Dalbin, how you feeling? How's the family, most importantly? Uh, everybody's good, man. Uh, my wife gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby girl on Friday at 8.35 uh, p.m. Uh, so, you know, we're very fortunate with that. I said that you would be the only person that can get me off of paternity leave. <laughs> it would be you. So I'm, I'm super pumped to be back on, especially as we're getting close to the first preseason game and the first regular season game about, wow, about a month out just about. So I'm really excited to be back. But everything's good, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's great to hear, and uh, like you said, as this publishes, we'll, we'll be a day out from the Jets' preseason debut against the Atlanta Falcons before Dalbert and myself drive in, uh, dive in, breaking down that game uh, outside of all that goodness that Scott had at the top of the podcast. I want to also remind you guys, this podcast is brought to you by Willie McBrides, and we're going to have a live podcast and watch party there on August 24th, Hoboken, New Jersey, 6th and Grand. Make sure to come out, and Willie McBrides will have... Um, Drink specials, football specials, all season long. So make sure to check that out, of course, on the 24th and come hang with us. And then all season long as well. All right, Dalvin, Jets-Falcons tomorrow night, first preseason game. What are the main things that you're looking for outside of the quarterback position? We'll dive into Sam Darnold and the quarterback rotation uh, after this. But putting quarterback aside, what are the main two or three things that you're looking for in this preseason uh, debut? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, and uh, obviously, aside from the quarterback, the biggest thing is the offensive line. I think that we are, this is our first chance 
we thought this was going to be our first chance to see the the five Jet starters that we expect to play against uh, Detroit Week One. Um, but now Beecham is in a in a walking boot, and Spencer Long seems a little bit dinged up. Uh, James Carpenter, by all accounts, has been pretty atrocious, and this is a guy that the Jets are banking on to bounce back to his Seattle form. Um, so. Any less reps that the offensive line gets together, I think, is going to be detrimental to a team that's probably going to be breaking in a young quarterback. So for me, I'm interested to see who steps up in Beecham's absence. Are you going to see a guy like Brent Quale step up to take the left tackle position while he's out? Um, it also makes it even more imperative, and this is more long-term thinking, that the Jets are going to have to go and get a franchise left tackle. That's not going to be Calvin Beecham because here it is. He's injured, and that was one of the reasons why he ended up going to Jacksonville and didn't get many offers was because of his injury history. So the offensive line is one thing for me. The other thing is the rotation at offensive linebacker, Joe, and you've touched on this a couple of times. And the way this roster is currently constructed, other than Jordan Jenkins, they don't have anybody that, that pegs to be an average to above average starter at the offensive line, but at the, at the outside linebacker position. Brandon Copeland's going to get a lot of looks opposite of Jenkins, and this is why you kind of see all this uh, talk about the Jets need to go with Khalil Mack because he's the perfect fit opposite Jordan Jenkins, and he takes your defense to a next level. But the Jets have had such a gaping hole at edge rusher and that outside linebacker that now you get Jordan Jenkins who's a solid starter but now to try and find who's it going to be at the other end is it going to be Lorenzo Malden probably not is it going to be Dylan Donahue probably not Brandon Copeland's a guy that it could be him you know but again the Jets need to find out who that is I'm interested to see who steps up and, and who steps up at outside linebacker Lastly, it's the secondary. I think that the secondary has a chance to be one of the better secondaries in the in the league this year. And the Jets are starting to see return on their investments from guys like Derek Jones. You see Perry Nickerson, right? So which one of these young guys steps up to one, not only steal playing time for Buster Screen, who I do not think was as bad as a lot of people say he was last year, but who also steps up to replace Mo, Mo Claiborne when he's gone after this year or when he faces the inevitable injury. So for me, it's those, the offensive line, outside linebacker, and the defensive back competition because I think the Jets have a lot of depth at those positions but just not a lot of proven players. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. An offensive line was one of those positions that a lot of fans have raised as a red flag coming into this year. And I think the thought in this offseason was that a lot of the problems last year derived from Wesley Johnson at center. I think when your center struggles, there's a trickle-down effect to the rest of the line, and it impacts the guards, and it impacts the tackles. And Johnson was arguably the worst center in the NFL last year, so the Jets went out, they got Spencer Long, who went healthy, you know, is a, I would say, a competent middle-of-the-road starter. He has struggled to stay healthy and the Jets need him to stay healthy because right now his top backup is Travis Swanson, a guy who, if you ask Lions fans, was kind of their version of Wesley Johnson last year. So I think the Jets' hope is that Long will provide a major upgraded center. Brian Winters will be more healthy. Uh, Brandon Shell will have another season under his belt. And you get a league average to maybe slightly above league average offensive line. Now, if Long is hurt and Beecham is hurt, you're in a situation where Ben Jelana has to play. That's a fairly big drop-off. If there's anyone banged up in the interior of that line, you're looking at a lot of the same problems as last year. So... The Jets' depth is going to be tested right away. Jeremy Bates needs to be smart how he coaches around this, particularly with Darnold in there. Get him on the move. Get quick releases. Find a way to try to balance the run behind James Carpenter and Brandon Chell, uh, guys who are in there and have a little more experience. And we're, you know, we're just going to have to see how this plays out. I would not be surprised if the Jets were scouring the waiver wire for help on the offensive line, along with a few other positions. And then you also mentioned cornerback. And I think, you know, like we've seen, the star of camp has really been 
been a guy in Derrick Jones who, if Morris Claiborne gets his yearly injury, he could be the first guy up to play on the outside. And if the Jets could do that and keep Buster Screen relegated to the slot instead of trying to force him outside, they'll be better for it overall as a unit uh, defensively. So hopefully we see Jones carry over that play from training camp into the preseason. Another guy I'm curious to see if the play of camp carries over to a game situation are actually two rookies, uh, Trenton Cannon, who's been one of the stars of camp, and Chris Herndon, who's been impressive and has a chance to play a lot at tight end as a rookie. Has your expectations of these two guys changed at all since the Jets drafted him? I was bullish on Herndon just because of his skill set when they took him with Cannon. I was a little skeptical about his game translating. I think we'll get a better feel for that in the preseason, but even if Eli McGuire comes back, how do you see Cannon and then also Herndon being integrated into the offense as rookies? Well, Cannon is an interesting, uh, just an interesting prospect because you can't teach speed, right? Like that, and you know this from your time as a Division Three All Star. Uh, you can't teach speed. You either have it or you don't. And the Jets don't have a what we like to call a home run hitter out of the backfield. And what I mean is a guy that they can give the ball to on a screen or on a or on a slant route, and he can elude you know traffic and get away from defenders and just take it to the house. Trenton Cannon has that kind of potential. For me, I always thought that. Okay, with that speed, he should be an ideal kick returner. But one of the things that we've realized is that the best returners typically aren't the guys that are blazers, right? Like you see, Brad Smith didn't run a four two forty, but he was an excellent kick returner because he understood how to navigate his how to navigate the protection in front of him. Trent Cannon does not seem to have that, but I think because of McGuire's injury, because Thomas Rawls is just got awful. I think Cannon has an absolute shot to contribute on this team this year, not as a feature back, because I really think that when it's all said and done, it's going to be Bilal Powell who takes most of the carries with Isaiah Crowell, probably an even split, but Cannon has the opportunity to carve out a nice little role for his team. And if Jeremy Bates is smart, which I think he is, he'll find ways to get him the ball in space and let him make something out of nothing. With Herndon, I I, I was with you. I agree with you. I, I was very bullish on him. I thought that with, he didn't shine as much because he was behind Njuku uh, last year. Then Njuku goes to the draft. He comes back to Miami. I'm a big Hurricanes fan. The Hurricanes have one of the worst quarterback positions in all of college football. But Herndon stood out as a red zone option and as a guy that was developing as a blocker. He comes in here, and Sam Darnold's going to lean on him. Sam Darnold's going to find him. And Jeremy Bates, one of the things that he did when he called plays was he made sure to get his tight ends in move in, in move positions. right? So you saw them line up at H-back. You saw the tight end line up in the slot. You saw the tight end line up out wide. And Herndon has that kind of skill set. The one thing that the Jets are going to have to do, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make Sam Darnold's job a lot easier, is find ways to manufacture protectors for your playmakers. The biggest guy that I think is going to be the beneficiary of that is Quincy Anua. But what Anua does for Chris Herndon in particular is he clears out traffic. Same with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson takes a guy deep. Suddenly, Chris Herndon is wide open in the middle of the field, and he's a guy athletic enough to make something happen out of nothing and make, and make yak opportunities happen. So I think the Jets... Before this year, the Jets draft class was counted on to produce because there weren't there weren't many better options. This year with Cannon and Herndon, what you're seeing is Herndon doesn't have to start because they have Clive Warford, who's a good who's a good prospect. He's a good uh, he's a good tight end, good receiver, good blocker. He can contribute, right? And Cannon, he's behind Powell and, and Crowell and even McGuire. But the Jets now have it where these guys can beat out these guys who may be a little bit better, maybe more more household names that contribute from day one. Let's pivot back to hit on quarterback real quick before we dive into some Twitter questions. With Darnold, I wrote about this today, and I think right after the Jets drafted Darnold, I would say there was a more general skepticism about him playing week one. It feels like 
every passing day, it's becoming more and more of the expectation that he will be the guy under center week one, which is great because that's something myself and many people at our site have been advocating for for a variety of reasons. And I think the path to that has been him playing very well in the spring and quickly getting a grasp of the playbook. In the three days that he missed of camp, neither Bridgewater or McCown putting a lot of space between them and Darnold. Darnold has basically hit the ground running and performed at a comparable level to those two players, if not slightly better. And the Jets are not going to be shy about loading him up with reps. We know they don't feel a need to play McCown much in camp in the preseason. So it's really just going to be Darnold splitting reps with Bridgewater, who has been you know up and down and okay in camp. And we know that a tie is going to go to the rookie. So I think Darnold will ultimately play the most of all the quarterbacks in week one of the preseason. I don't think he's going to start. I don't know when he will get his first start, probably the third preseason game, I would guess. But my main hope for Darnold against Atlanta is, of course, number one, stay healthy. Number two, avoid any turnovers. If he does have a turnover, come back from it with a strong drive and still playing aggressive and, of course, put points on the board. So I think he's going to make mistakes. There's going to be mistakes in the preseason. There's going to be mistakes in the regular season. But as it stands now, I have every expectation that Darnold is going to play well in this preseason to start week one against Detroit. And I think the Jets are not too subtly putting it out through different media sources that that's their internal expectation as well. And they're doing that for business reasons to further generate excitement about this season. And they're doing it because I think generally in the building, they believe that he's capable of doing it and they don't see any reason to delay the process, which is refreshing and something I know that both of us agree with. I mean, what what are you looking for with Darnold, not just against Atlanta, but in this preseason overall? So for me, I'm, I'll go one step further than you did. I think he starts next week against Washington. I think that what you're going to see is Bridgewater will handle most of the first team reps. Then Darnold will come in and play the rest of the Atlanta game. And then I think what they'll, I think they'll see enough from him to want him to play against the first team Washington defense, which is not a terrible defense. And then in turn, get ready for that third Giants preseason game. I think that ultimately with Darnold, you're going to see mistakes. You're going to see him. I mean, today by all accounts, he had a really really rough practice. Our own Clay. Uh, Clay was out there today just kind of chronicling everything, and we saw that he did struggle a little bit, right? But that's the norm. The one thing that he – that's the norm in the expectation. I think too often we expect these rookies to be lights out from day one and have constantly good practices, and that's not the case. The flip side of that, though, is that he's demonstrated an ability to bounce back repeatedly. And so, like you said, I want to see him – I want to see how he bounces back from that first interception, how he bounces back from that first fumble. But I also want to see him take shots down the field because, for me, leading up to the draft, I compared him to – I compared him to Eli Manning. In the, and a lot of people were like, no, he's like he's kind of like a Tony Romo. I do not think he has the arm uh, strength of a Tony Romo. I think his deep ball is very similar to Eli Manning in terms of it being a little bit wobbly. Um, but again, it gets the job done. I want to see the Jets take these shots down the field with guys that Donald has been working with now for about three, you know almost three months. So I think that um, how how his game is impacted by the new tackling rule. We had a really great article on the site about that because I do wonder, and we saw it in the first preseason game with with the written, with the Ravens. Some, some of these guys are tackling clean and they're still being called penalties, but I do wonder if that gives Sam Donald hesitation to take off because he's a little unsure of what exactly is going to be a clean hit and what's not. Um, with the rotation of the offensive line, it's whether he can stay upright, whether he can evade pressure. Does he, does he continue to target the guys that he's targeted in camp? Herndon, Chad Hansen, who I think we both think has a really good shot at making this team and contributing this year over a guy like Terrell Pryor. And so I think that's going to be key for me, but he's got to... He's got to attack the field to make sure that, that that teams know that they're honest because right now nobody's going to play the Jets, you know, with seven in the box and think like, okay, we're going to double up on the outside. They're going to play eight in the box and try and stop the run, and Darnold has to take advantage of that. And Atlanta's a good defense for him to demonstrate that he can. Yeah, look, I think we want to see an aggressive quarterback, and there's going to be some variance with his play. He's going to be 
make mistakes if he plays in that style, and we know he's going to take some chances, and that's okay. This is the year to learn and play through those mistakes. This is the year to deal with figuring out how to protect himself when he gets hit, figuring out how to deal with playing three games in 10 days, which I know a lot of Jet fans are freaked out about, but he needs to learn. That's part of the NFL. There's no reason to delay the inevitable with that. So, look, all eyes will be on Darnold in the preseason. Uh, opener and all throughout the preseason should be a bigger-than-usual crowd in Week 1, like there was a bigger-than-usual crowd at Rutgers. So, you know, outside of that, I think a few of the other areas that we hit on will be interesting to see. But ultimately, all everyone's going to be talking about is how does Darnold play? How does this offense play? All right, Dalvin, let's jump into some questions we've gotten from Twitter and also hit on any general ridiculousness that we've seen from Jets Twitter in some of the recent days. Thanks again, everyone, for continuing to send these questions over. We're working through some of the ones we didn't get to last week in our podcast with Joe Blewett. Uh, we got a question here. From na, 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 na. we're gonna go with from Eric Solomon at E Solomon eleven. Do you think it's possible McCown starts week one on the road and Darnold starts week two at home? Might make sense to have Sam's first game in a better environment. I don't think the Jets are thinking of it that way. I think they want him to get experience in a tough environment. If he goes out and bombs against Detroit, let it be a learning experience because eventually they need this guy to win on the road in Buffalo, in New England, in Miami. So I don't think sheltering from it is going to do anything. And I think. Again, people are worried about the three games in 10 days. They're playing Detroit, Miami, and Cleveland, uh, three teams who didn't make the playoffs last year, one who was the worst team in the NFL last year, another who the Jets really should have swept last season if it wasn't for a fourth-quarter meltdown, and an inconsistent Detroit team dealing with a new coaching staff. It's not like they're opening up against New England, Green Bay, uh, and Pittsburgh. So I don't think there's going to be any sort of variance based on opponents. Uh, what do you think, Dalvin? Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. And I also think that the minute you start doing things like that, you go down the Jeff Fisher coaching route. Remember when Jared Goff was a rookie and he wasn't active for the first month and then he was active, but he was the third stringer because Fisher wanted him to get to know what it feels like to go to a game. And then they played him. His first game was in the Coliseum. I think for that, like, if, if you're going to do that, just play Darnold, the on, play Darnold only at home, if that's the case. Eventually, he's got to play on the road. Eventually, he's going to have to play in a hostile environment. And again, Detroit's not even that hostile to begin with. I think, I think ultimately the Jets are handling this the right way. And Bowles has said all the right things, which leads me to believe that they, they understand like they're going to have to get him ready sooner or later, and they'd rather do it sooner. All right, let's move on to the next question. I'll let you take this one first. Uh, from Mac at DMAC96, thoughts on the Jets' cornerback depth chart with guys like Jeremy Clark, Perry Nickerson, and Derek Jones. Who makes it and where do they fit in sort of overall? So for me, I think, so Nickerson, initially, it's funny because like a lot of people were like, oh my God, well, this guy flashed so much on film. Why wasn't he drafted sooner? And I think a lot of people tend to overthink this draft stuff. Nickerson looks like a smaller cornerback. So people are like, oh my God, him in the competition, he played his bad. And then Nickerson eventually uh, starts to begin to take over for Morris Claiborne, not Buster Screen. Because one, I think... I think Bowles loves Buster Screen out of the slot. He's an excellent blitzer. He's not as bad as people say he was last year. So I think Bowles feels comfortable trusting him there. Um, I think with Derrick Jones, the player that he reminds a lot of people of is Antonio Cromartie, who's been the player that, like, just in terms of physical build, in terms of athleticism. And he's a guy that I think when the Jets drafted him and Jeremy Clark last year, it was going to be one or the other that was going to kind of differentiate themselves. And I think it's Jones that's been taking that step, whereas Clark's kind of been kind of, you have no idea what's been happening with him. So I think Clark 
has the, has a real good opportunity to join Nickerson in the starting lineup, like once the Jets move on from screen after this year. But I don't think Jones is going to contribute this year that much. I think Perry Nickerson is the guy that can definitely contribute this year. The other guy that doesn't ever really get mentioned is Daryl Roberts, just because he's quietly solid all the time. Um, but he's a guy that I could see him playing dime back more as these young guys try to take that next step. But I'd expect more from Nickerson than from Jones this year. Yeah, my latest roster projection, I have you know the starting three basically, which is Jones, Claiborne, and Screen, followed by uh, not Jones, I'm sorry, Johnson, Claiborne, and Screen. I want to get ahead of ourselves there with, <laughs> with Jones and Nickerson uh, behind them as well. I'm trying to remember. Uh, if I had a – oh, I did. I had Daryl Roberts as a six. Because I think, like you said, it's good to keep a guy in that back end who does have some starting experience and has played a decent amount over the past two years. I don't think Rashad Robinson's sticking around. Can't see Justin Burris sticking around. Clark, uh, I think there's still concerns about his health. So I think those three end up being the odd men out along with Xavier Coleman. Um, next question we got is from Matt. Mastro Giovanni, love that last Italian name out of Vals. Uh, any chance Foley makes the 53 rather than the practice squad? I have to root for my UConn Huskies. First off, I agree with just calling him Foley uh, rather yeah. than trying to pronounce uh, the full name every single time. I, in both of my roster predictions so far, have him on the practice squad just because as it stands now, I have him behind. If you're just talking general defensive linemen, Leonard Williams, Steve McClendon, Henry Anderson, Nathan Shepard, Mike Pinnell, Xavier Cooper. I think if the Jets keep six, those are probably the top six right now, which moves him to being a practice squad guy. Maybe they carry seven. Maybe they bump him over Cooper. How do you see that defensive line rotation shaking out in terms of roster spots and playing time, Dalvin? So I will preface this by saying that one of the biggest things that we need to pay attention to is uh, who gets cut after like the third preseason game that the Jets try to kind of add, and maybe that pushes one of these guys off. I think you're right. I think Cooper has been good enough. I think he's earned a spot. He's made a lot of noise, and he's a guy that knows bowls the system, and I think there's familiarity there. Obviously, Anderson and Shepard, are gonna, they're going to rotate opposite Leo Williams. McClendon makes it. So here's my, McClendon's the one guy that I could see him getting cut. If the Jets, if somebody shakes free and the Jets would prefer to add them uh, instead, and just kind of let McClendon go, or they feel like they can they can win with Leonard Williams playing the playing the nose, and then you go Anderson and Shepard bookending him. It'd be interesting to see if they think that, and then McClendon goes. I mean, the cap savings aren't that high. I think Foley. So here's the thing: Foley screamed practice squad guy to me, but when it he strikes me as a guy that when the games start and they they officially begin this week, I think he's a guy that can flash by beating up on second and third string offensive linemen. And Bowles thinks that he sees something in him. It'll also depend, I think, on how many off how many linebackers they keep, right? Because Williamson and Lee are locked. Minter, I think, should be a lock because I think there's a chance he can overtake Lee. And then do you keep uh, do you keep do you keep any of do you keep Brandon Copeland? Does Lorenzo Malden make it? Do you keep Dylan Donahue? Do you keep Josh Martin, who's probably their best edge rusher right now? If the Jets opt to keep only six linebackers, then that I think opens up a spot for somebody on the defensive line like a Foley who would traditionally go to the practice squad. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that breaks out. I think in the front seven defensively, it's going to be a bit of a crapshoot on how all these spots sort of shake out. So that's definitely something to watch in the preseason. I think even an outside linebacker, does a guy like Frankie Louvu stick? Does Brandon Copeland stick? Does that knock off Dylan Donahue and Lorenzo Malden? Where did Josh Martin and Jordan Jenkins fit in? Although I think both of them will definitely stick. So uh, there's a lot of competition in that front seven, which is a good and a bad thing. Good always to have competition. Bad that we're talking about the top, top pass rusher, maybe being Josh Martin, David Bass, or uh, Brandon Copeland. Definitely a problem that needs to be addressed long term. Um all right, I want to quickly touch on uh, one Jets drive before we wrap, but Dalbin, any sort of uh, 
craziness on Jets Twitter you'd like to speak to before we wrap? What's what's been your what's caught your eye as of late? Oh man, so on I and I, I want to say it was episode two of What's Your Point. We outlined uh, the craziest jet takes that we heard before the holdout ended uh, with Sam Darnold, and it's so interesting because I don't know if you remember, but like three, like around the draft. Everybody was like, oh, maybe the Jets didn't trade up for Sam Donald. They traded up for Saquon Barkley. And then now you don't hear a peep out of that. And I'm always astonished with people on Jets Twitter because Twitter's such a public forum. Like, we have the receipts. We have what you said when you were like, yeah, maybe they did give up, you know, a first round. Maybe they gave up a first round pick in two twos to go up and get a, a running back. Um, so that's been crazy. Um, the fact that Donald was labeled not a leader was wild to me. Um, the fact that you've seen. Uh, people so intent that Robbie Anderson is going to get is going to be the one that gets let go after this year is mind-boggling to me, and the fact that people are still shocked that you're expecting more from Darren Lee, right? Like he's a he's a first-round pick, his his numbers are solid, if not spectacular, but he was drafted to be a playmaker and he has not made any plays, and people are still flabbergasted when you're like, no, we want to see more. Well, what more do you want from me? I want him to be a first-round a first-round uh, linebacker, a first-round pick that was a linebacker that knows how to play well, and he str- he struggled a lot of the times. He's very inconsistent. So those have been the really like the the really weird things, the expectations for young guys, and the, the lack of expectations for other guys. That's been the funniest thing to see so far. Yeah, there's always always a little madness. I would urge everyone to you know stay calm, have a little patience at some points this year. I think. I haven't made a final record prediction yet. This feels like about a 7-9 and nine team. I think there's going to be probably a fast start with a tough finish if you look at how the schedule breaks out, but you never know. I think it depends how quickly Darnold develops and how some of the other young guys step up into roles. So let's not make any uh, crazy statements uh, in a season that I think is more about development and setting the table for 2019 than anything, although you never know in the AFC, which is an extremely weak conference once you get past uh, the New England and Pittsburghs of the world. Before we wrap, uh, do you think that I was a little up and down on the first six episodes of One Jets Drive, which were more about the offseason, although the final episode focusing solely on the quarterbacks was really good? I think yeah. last night's on the training camp, a little longer, a little more of a hard knocks feel. Definitely recommend checking it out. Definitely got a little uh, misty there at the end with uh, how the Jets had uh, their uh, young fan, Gio, who's been battling childhood cancer, run at the uh, Rutgers uh, scrimmage, which was uh, really well done. So encourage that the Jets are keeping this rolling through training camp. I don't know if that was a new decision, but hopefully this is something that they stick with going forward. It's good. It's a good thing to kind of watch alongside with a hard knocks. It's sort of a shorter version of it. And the Jets have, you know, found a way to bring their own version of it. Cause I don't know if they're going to be back on hard knocks anytime soon. And if they are, I certainly don't think it's possible to top the Rex Ryan season. If, you know, for all my, all my criticism of Rex, one thing is true. He was the all time number one star of hard knocks and you, you can't knock that off. Uh, any thoughts on Hard Knocks or what you've seen from One Jets Drive so far? Yeah, I, and I was going to peg this to you because you've done you, you obviously you, you work at the, the Whistle and you've done this for a long time. I'm I'm start I'm wondering how much behind the scenes is too behind the scenes, right? Because with Hard Knocks, you know, we saw Jarvis Landry flip out on the Browns and rightfully so, you know, calling out the losing culture. But I also found it a little invasive that they they showed Hugh Jackson, you know, being as emotional as he was and crying and. And, you know, he had just received some pretty devastating personal news. I, I found myself a little uncomfortable with that. And I, I wanted to pick the question to you just as working in media. How much is how much is too much access? Right. Because one judge drive, I feel, did a really nice job of giving us, you know, exactly what we you know, no more, no less. I mean, what I'd like to see a little bit more about Sam Darnold, sure. But I think it worked the way it was. But Hard Knocks, especially this last episode, just felt very, very intrusive. Uh, do you agree or do you think I'm a little off base with that? 
Uh, yeah, I think more so than usual. I think fans are demanding more and more access, and it's always interesting to see kind of how you flirt with that line and potentially go over it. I'm curious to see holistically how this season is received, if it continues to kind of transpire in the same way, and how that impacts future decisions on that show and other shows like All In and other personal you know, shows that teams are doing. So it's a fair point. I think there was a lot of chatter of that on social media uh, on on how that episode was rolled out, which I'm sure HBO is happy about, to be candid. Uh-huh. So you have to wonder if that ends up uh, pushing them a little more in that direction. So, all right. Everyone, we uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Actually, I'm sorry. We're up to two days per week now, which has been uh, a nice transition, and we appreciate uh, all the following and the uh, listening that has continued despite us moving from once a week to twice per week. Uh, we haven't really seen any kind of drop-off, which is nice. We've actually seen a bit of a bump, and we'll try to continue doing that up until at least uh, Joe Jr. makes his appearance on the scene sometime in early September where it might become just a little more challenging for a bit. But... Make sure to follow Dolbin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Make sure to check out the information about our live podcast at William McBride's and RSVP to our event on Facebook. I think we're about five people away from 100, so get us into that triple digits. Makes everyone feel good. Dolbin, any final words? Uh, I won't be at the event, obviously, because like Joe said, I have a baby girl to take care of. But honestly, the TOJ parties are always a blast coming have a drink or two or three with all the awesome people that are going to be there, Connor and, and the entire gang. Um, and yeah, just stick with us. We'll get you through this exciting season because Joe's right. The season is all about developing this young talent so they can make a run in the near future. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. <laughs>